Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for coming. We will continue with our discussion of the 55th Anucheda of Srila Jiva Goswami's Paramatma Sandarbha. Uh, we are coming to the concluding portion of the discussion of the Upadan and the Nimitta portions of the external energy. So we'll begin this evening by going through the commentary of this last Anucheda that we've been discussing where Jeep Goswami is now explaining that these instrumental causes of maya for the jiva are related to the jiva's capacity or endowment, empowerment with the capabilities of knowing, of volition, and of acting. Volition, or what else can we call it? We can call it willing. willing. We've read through the verses, which were rather terse, and now we'll just go through the commentary. And then I'm going to close this evening by going over the whole section, if I can, and all the different ways that Jeeves explained this instrumental cause, because it has... It's not been, he's brought out different aspects uh, that can be viewed as the instrumental cause. So we'll go through this last aspect, which is the instrumental cause of having knowledge, awareness, uh, willing in relationship to the material energy, and then actually acting in relationship to the energy. And those are still separate from the intrinsic qualities. None of those are They are, and we're going to go over that a little bit because it's interesting the way it's worded, so we can something's to be gained there. So this is the commentary fifty fifth Anucheta. Maya in general I'm sorry, Maya is a general world used for both the Upadan, the phenomenal, and Nimita, the instrumental portions of the extrinsic energy, but is primarily used for the Nimitta cause. When we say Maya, we generally mean something's ex- exerting some force over us. So we generally don't think, you know, it's like a, a rock or, you know, earth or fire or water. We don't really think of, of those as the Maya that's influencing us is what's being said here. The Demita part of Maya manifests in two states, knowledge and ignorance, vidya and avidya. Now it is explained that this instrumental capacity has three types of potencies, namely jnana, icha, and kriya, or knowledge, will, and action. The last part of the previous section, in the last part, it was said that avidya had two divisions. One conceals the true nature of the jiva, and the other induces improper knowledge or cognition by which one becomes attached to the world. The first faculty, or that which covers, is not a positive entity. Rather, it is in the form of an absence, or in other words, the pre-non- existence of true knowledge about the self. 
So basically what's being said here is ignorance means you don't know who you are. Quite simply. That's what the ignorance portion is is doing. It's 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 covering what you really are. So you're not aware of the awareness that you naturally should have as I am a self. I'm not I'm I'm spirit soul, I'm not this body, as we say quite simply. Um, Innate self-awareness takes the form of I am an integrated part of the absolute or I am a servant of Bhagavan. In other words, if you knew who you were, that would be who it would be. You would see yourself in relationship to your spiritual existence and Taking that a step further, if you were the most fortunate, you would see yourself as a servant of the Supreme, of Bhagavan. So that would be your innate or your natural, natural state. Now we could get into a detailed discussion as to which nature, you know, what, when we say natural state, both the influence of the Lord's external energy and the Lord's internal potencies both are imposed upon the jiva. One's natural because it's of the nature of consciousness and the other is unnatural because it's of the nature of ignorance or unconsciousness, unconsciousness of what you really are. But still... We're either under the influence of the Lord's internal or his external potency. And we can, of our own true volition, put ourselves in a state of equilibrium, almost. Almost to the state of equilibrium. In other words, jivan mukta. You're still in the material world, but you have relieved yourself of involvement in material action and reaction and all that like a Sukadev before he heard the Bhagavatam or the Kumars or any other what we would call Jnani or Yogi who goes up to the stage of of being perfected within the material atmosphere. At that stage the material energy is not extern- exerting any force on us and the jiva at that stage of of attainment through yoga or through knowledge he he's considered liberated within the material body but he's not truly liberated yet so that's that's like the middle line that's that's really the tatasta you could call that tatasta in between the spiritual and the material energy. But in the perfect tatasta, no no influence one way or the other, although you would still have a material body. Now, to get out of the material body, you need to have a little bit of bhakti. That's just a touch of bhakti to, to like open the door. Okay, come on. You can now... Realize Brahman. You can be part of the Lord's energy. But if you're fortunate, 
you'll and that bhakti we look at as the Lord's Swarup Shakti. So here on one side you have Maya Shakti, on the other side you have the Swarup Shakti. So a little bit of the Swarup Shakti just gets you over the edge and out of the material world and situated in the Lord's energy or in his body. Uh, and a, 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 a significant ingress of the Swarup Shakti affords all kind of opportunities. So that we call the practice of bhakti even within the material world. But the perfection is you are now, you're, you're also a Jeevan Mukta, but you're a Jeevan Bhakta. You're in the material world, but you're, you're performing bhakti. Um, so you can see the two influences, the two atmospheres that can influence us. But while we're still in the material world, we're engaged in sadhana bhakti. We're practicing bhakti up to the point of reaching prem. At that stage, it would be like a jivan mukta. The prem bhakti enters into the leela within his heart, even within the material world. So you can't even look at him as a mater- in the material world. In fact, such such great sadhus we don't even look at them as even continually continuing to have a material body. So the guru, you never consider the guru, the sad guru, as having a material body. You see his body itself as only a vessel for bhakti. It's not used for any other purpose. So it's no longer a material body for all intents and purposes. Well, if you look at it as if it is material, that creates a, an offensive attitude for the for the disciple. So, so these two influences: Rup Shakti, Maya Shakti. So one conceals the true nature of the jiva, and the other induces improper knowledge or cognition, by which one becomes attached to this to the world. The first faculty, or that which covers, is not a positive, as we just read. Innate self-awareness would be awareness of spiritual identity, either as Brahman or as Paramatma or as Bhagavan. The covering aspect of avidya reduces the pure self to just the bare sense of I. I. And then the without a predicate, it says here, the viksape atmaka aspect of avidya, the throwing aspect, induces the self to adopt the self-predication of the material body. In other words, one's covering, one's covering us with the sense of I within the material manifestation and then that sense of I is fully developed with the throwing potency. One covers and one's throw is one way. Some of the ways 
the nomenclature is used in regards to this influence of uh, the external energy, not avidya. Um, and it, I am this body, the gyan or the cognitive capacity. Mentioned in the present text is one of the three energies of Namita, or the instrumentality of Maya. Refers to the knowledge of material sense objects and to the discernment of them as agreeable or disagreeable. So first, what is our knowledge within the material body? We, we experience things and we, the mind is already, it's already calculating. I want to eat that. I don't want to eat this. I want to be there. I don't want to be there. I, I want to, you know. So the, constantly, this, this acceptance and rejection, accepting and rejecting, constantly the mind's vacillating. Accept it, reject it, accept it, you know, go back and forth. And then there's willfulness. I'd rather stay inside, wrapped up, when it gets cold and wet outside and I'm not going to do anything today to just be comfortable and read and chant or something. (laughs) Okay, so then the willfulness comes. So the mind's vacillated. It has been presented with opportunities. The senses have been presented with opportunities. And then the mind says, it finally fixes on one. Icha. I'll do this or I'll do that. So, on the basis of this conventional knowledge, there arises icha, with a will to enjoy or avoid sense objects. The will further impels one to take action according, accordingly. So, when you don't go outside, when you do stay inside, when you've actually done it, then that's the action. These three... Gyan, Icha, and Kriya are instrumental in bringing about modifications of the Upadan, or primordial matter, meaning Prakriti, also called Pradhan later in this section, and its evolutes, just as the sun's heat causes a tree's fruit to ripen. So these three, having knowledge, making a determination in regards to the knowledge that we have we're co- we've contacted. We're always contacting knowledge. We're a knowledge absorption machine. <laughs> we have two ears. We have two eyes. We have two. We have two nostrils and the nose. We have the, the tongue. We have the feeling. We're constantly just taking in knowledge, and we're deciding one way or another, vacillating back and forth. Then we make a decision. We exert our will. I'm going to do this, and then we do it. So. This brings about some influence on our part upon dead matter. The body's dead matter, but we move it. We put it on the couch, we wrap ourselves in the blanket, we pull out the book and we say, we're not going outside today. We're not going to do whatever else we may have thought we were going to do or should have done, but we've made a choice and and that's that's involved us in actually moving matter or being moved by matter. 
Yeah, and mind, intelligence, false ego, those are also constituents, but they're they're more closely aligned with the action. Okay. Yeah, What's that? Matt is also moving us, is that what you said? Yes. Yeah. The modes are moving us as much. So so just as a, the sun's heat causes the tree's fruit to ripen, these three instrument these three instrumental aspects of Maya. But we're going to talk about different inter- instrumental aspects that have been presented to us by Jiva in this little section here. It's not a lot of anachetas, but he's He's really packed them full of different ways to look at the forces of the external energy. All three, though part of Nimitta, are also within Upadan. So we see it practically that the influences of our, of our actions have resulted in the environment that we're in, the body that we've accepted, everything everything that Maya's forced on us as far as the material aspect, right, the, that we're experiencing, down to the body, down to the, you know, everything within the body, all that has been influenced ultimately by the instrumental part of Maya. It's all led up to a point, and now here you are at this point. And you can't say that this body and that body are the same body. They're different bodies. So therefore, this these statements are there. The Namita does influence the material aspect of, of Maya, which we are ultimately influenced by. So they're, they're closely related. That'll come out a little bit as we go forward here. The jhana, icha, and kriya paramatma in relation to the world are not maya. He also has these, they're an integrated part of his, his furup shakti, this ability to be aware of everything, this ability to, uh, to have some desire. Uh, and of course, to put it in action, yes. But are direct aspects of his intrinsic potency. In the case of a jiva in the material world, these three functions are energies of Maya being supported by the intrinsic potency. In the case of Paramatma, they are inherent to his nature, but in the case of the jiva, they have been bestowed by Paramatma. Just one second, we're going to get there. Okay. They are not in the swarup of the jiva, but only form its upadi, its impression. Paramatma acts only for the sake of his devotees, consequently his jhan. Now, if we look back to those 21 intrinsic characteristics, there were three, right? But how are they worded there? They're worded endowed with knowledge, endowed with agency, endowed with experiential capacity. So we have the ability as achievement to accept that endowment of knowledge, of willfulness, and in action. 
And that endowment is coming from the Lord in one of two forms, either his external energy or his internal energy. So our knowledgeable cognitive awareness ability is, is made possible by one of these two major potencies of the Lord. So you can't say that we have knowledge. We can have knowledge in relationship to the environment that we're in. We can have willfulness in relationship with the environment. But it's influenced in so many ways. I can will a lot of things in regards to the external environment, but that doesn't mean I'm going to get it. Unless I'm, my will is extremely strong, that I'll have it no matter what the cost. And then you then you have somebody like a Hiranyakasipu. I will live forever. I will. I know I will. And he willed and willed and willed, and he stood on his on one foot, and he burned up, and he let the ants eat up his body. But he's his willness. Everything that material nature threw at him was not enough to dissuade his will to the point that he started to choke the whole universe with his willfulness. And the demigods go to Brahma, please, you've got to do something with this guy. We can't even, you know. He's burning up the universe with, with the power that he's putting out. His determination is so strong. He wants... So go give him what he wants and let us go back to our, our work here. He's, he's, he's disrupting everything. So endowed. The, we have the ability to be endowed with knowledge, the ability to be endowed with will, and we have the ability to be endowed with action. But that endowment is coming from one of two environments. Makes sense? So the Lord's has these as his external or his internal potency. Paramatma Zitya involves the intent to manifest the creation for the sake of his devotees. We talked about it at the end of last class. If you really, uh, we can really take a super, super proactive devotional viewpoint as Jiva is going to do at the end of this Sandarbha in regards to the nature of the creation. Paramatma's involvement is only for the sake of his devotees. Everything else is just incidental. Everybody else is just along for the ride. Interesting concept. Interesting way to look. It's a God-centered way. It's a Krishna conscious viewpoint. If you catch my drift, we can look in different ways at the material creation or we can, let's look at it from 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 the Krishna conscious viewpoint. Well, that's a nice viewpoint. That's a loving viewpoint. That's a sweet viewpoint. You know, everything else is why am I here? Why is God doing this? Is he? Is he? Uh, does he have some uh, some preference? Is he showing some favoritism to one or another? No, he is and he isn't. Now to the jiva. The jiva's cognitive capacity, jnan, is primarily in the form of knowledge and ignorance, vidya and avidya. 
of its swarup. The jiva's volition manifests primarily as the will to enjoy the sense objects and its capacity for action, kriya, involves the meritorious or unmeritorious karma to gain those objects. So we'll act one way or another to get to fulfill our desires. That results in karma. Even when engaged in acts related to creation, Paramatma's John, Icha, and Kriya are not for the sake of Maya or impelled by Maya. Hence, they are not Maya. They function only for the sake of his devotees, such as Brahma, and thus only incidentally for the sake of Maya or creation. They will be described in greater detail at the end of this Sandarbha. In the later part of this Anucheta, Sri describes the characteristics of Upadan aspect of Maya. It is called Pradhan and it's different from Brahman because it is constituted of qualities, i.e. the gunas, in both the manifest and unmanifest state, while Brahman is qualityless. So here it's like the material energy is akin to Brahman, right? The Lord's energy, his spiritual energy. But it's Brahman is qualityless. Anyway, forget it. You know me. When I, when I can't pronounce something, it doesn't... Later. Anyway, you, you know what I mean. So, and Maya, which is also his energy, his potency... Pradhan, unmanifested, it has in it the either the potentiality to exhibit qualities when it's not manifest, or it is manifest and it does have all kinds of qualities. So it's an interesting statement here because it's it's showing how akin these two energies of the Lord really are. Um, The latter part of this Anucheta, Sri Jiva describes the characteristics of the Upadan aspect of Maya. It is called Pradhan and is differentiated from Brahman because it is constituted of qualities, i.e. the gunas, in both the manifested and unmanifested state. While Brahman is qualityless, in classic Sankhya philosophy, which is dualistic, Pradhan is independent of Purusha, but in Vedanta it is under Bhagavan, who is the only independent reality. In other words, Sankhya philosophy would say that it's it's a separate thing from the Lord, but we look at it as, as a, it's a manifestation of his energy, just like the sun has rays and heat and it energizes you know, the whole universe, so the Lord, everything is coming from his energy. It may be recalled that earlier, the, the Mita part of Maya was described as Guna Rupa, having the nature of the Gunas. And here Pradhana Prakriti is stated to be the aggregate of the three Gunas. The sense is that Maya is basically constituted of the three Gunas, Daivi, Hesha, Guna, Mai, this divine energy mind consisting of the three Gunas. That is its basic characteristic. 
It is never devoid of the three gunas, either in its manifest or unmanifest state. In other words, even when everything's wrapped up, the potentiality is there. Um, in either its nimitta, nimitta or upadan aspects. So, these modes, goodness, passion, and ignorance, pervade everything. Both the causative aspect, the uh, instrumental, or the material aspect. The gunas of maya function in two ways, as energy and as matter or substance. The energetic or instrumental function is called namita, and the matter or phenomenal part is called upadana. At the most fundamental level, matter and energy are not different, which is kind of where we are now with the modern scientists. They've also come to a stage where, starting with Einstein, E equals MC squared. Energy equals matter times velocity squared. However that works, it's above my pay grade scientifically to understand, but he saw this close correlation. E equals mc squared, velocity. If you look at velocity as similar to the aspect of time, you're really coming to the fact that what is velocity? Because if you remember when we were, they were trying to explain this to us, the the movement of one object in relationship with another object, whether you were on the train or standing on the platform. So what is that? The movement is the time that's affected the object. So is it E equals MC squared or E equals MT squared? I mean, if you start to look at it that way, then you kind of see how it it's playing into this whole idea of the material energy and its its causal nature being so tightly tied in with its material aspect, or what would we say, its instrumental uh, aspect and its phenomenal part. The differentiation arises only after they are manifested by the influence of kala, time which is to say, which is said to be a function of Paramatma's bodily movements and further manifests as a vritti of maya, an imposition on maya. Uh, Both energy and matter have various divisions. The energy division is threefold, sattva, rajas, and tamas, and the matter division has 24 folds, 24 parts, remember? The 24. Five gross elements, knowledge acquiring, functioning senses, so 10 senses, 10 sense objects, sound, smell, touch, form for the eyes, and taste. So then, mind, intelligence, false ego, and the mahat. But mind, intelligence, and false ego, again, we're talking about for Don. The mind, without the influence 
of what is goodness, passion, or ignorance, or ignorance, knowledge, and lack of knowledge, vidya and avidya, it, it doesn't have it doesn't have anything to it has to work it has to be pushed so even the subtle aspects of the of the material body mind intelligence and false ego still are considered material aspects pradan upadan in this instance so now for the Quick recap. Put this kind of in a perspective and look at the different things that Jiva said to us in this section where he's explaining the beginning to explain the Lord's external energy, the Bahiranga Shakti. What's that? Just beginning to. Yes. Just beginning to. In other words, we're just we just are finishing up the 55th Anacheta. There's over 100 Anachetas. And the whole, up to the point where he does his own recap, he's explaining Maya more and more. Okay. So Maya begins with the understanding it's the external energy, Bahiranga Shakti. Um, and what is that Bahiranga Shakti? It's the field of action for, it's the Shetra for us. It's our field of activity. Um, and it's known differently as Prakriti, as Maya, as Durga, this energy of the Lord, Bahiranga Shakti. So that was the first Anacheta, just that general definition. General definition with a, a primary verse related to the tricolored aspect of goodness, passion, and ignorance. Just a general. Then the next 49 through 52nd. Anucheta, uh, manifestation of creation, Maya and Jiva, seen and unseen. Uh, Maya has cause and effect, Nimitta and Pradhan. So he, in, he introduced that in that section. So if we remember back what basically was conveyed, not to go back into the details, but the basically conveyed was the whole material manifestation is coming about from a from the supreme and it's coming about so there can be the distinction between the seer and the seen between the jiva and the material energy so that one supreme personality manifests potencies whereby there can be this interaction between the seer and the seen Otherwise, prior to that, there's no differentiation. Those energies, the seen and the seer, are, are completely in, in the Supreme Lord as one unmanifest um, energy. Now, we discussed one thing in our, 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 uh, when we were talking about this, and that was well, perhaps we could look at the fact that the jiva is at being completely pure when the Lord wraps everything up, that the jivas start out again with a clean slate, so to speak. But that's, that's not supported uh, by what we've learned here. 
it would be nice, but it isn't. Because we could first think logically, what's the position of the Brahma within a particular universe? We have this amalgamation of all the jivas, but the most qualified jiva. So where did those qualities, if he was wiped clean at the end, then there'd be no jiva with outstanding qualities to be the Brahma. So that defeats it from a practical point of view. And then scripturally, it states here in these Anuchetas that the actual, those traits simply remain in a dormant state, but they are separated from the jiva proper. So it's not like they're attached, but it's not that they're not attached. It's inconceivable. The jiva is still completely pure, but he's still coming into the next manifestation of the Lord's potency from a state of inactivity in Karnadakshai Vishnu before the universes are even manifest. That the, those potentialities which carried, carry forth from the last manifestation. Does that make sense? All right. His karma. His karma. The one verse here is from the 11th canto, and it's uh, Krishna is instructing Uddhava. And it kind of sums up this overall manifestation. That one great Brihat, undivided and singular truth, which is beyond speech and mind, was divided into two in the forms of its Maya, the pre- precipitable world, and its result, its individuated expansions, the Jivas. So, the one Lord manifested these two energies. It's basically what it said. But before, it was just one personality. It's the Paramatma aspect of the Supreme, yes. So, Prakriti, true energy, has two aspects, cause and effect. And this whole area, this whole discussion has been regarding the cause, it has come to this point of cause and effect. And in different different places it's been said different ways, but let's look at the different causes and effects that have been presented to us in the Anuchetas. Began with what? An understanding that the whole universe is, is coming about due to destiny accumulated the residual karma residual karma that hasn't played out is destiny so that was the first introduction let's start with that understand that what's moving the material manifestation is un unrealized karma coming forward in the form of destiny and that was in this statement. Although the Purusha is not part of Maya, the Purusha meaning the Jiva, again the observer of the field, 
The residual karma or destiny, daiva, of the Purusha is Maya's nimitta or instrumental part. Then we go on to the 53rd Anucheta. And then the nimitta cause is looked at a little, it's looked at more thoroughly, we could say, because there we have the introduction of additional concepts which are the nimitta cause. Not just daiva, but again, these are the prayers of Juara, right? The fever weapon to Lord Krishna. And in there he introduces these. Kala, daiva, karma, and swabhav are the nimitta instrumental part of maya. So what are those? Uh, but the jiva who possesses all these potencies is made up of both, both parts, material aspect and the instrumental aspect. A part of the instrumental potency, Namita Shakti, also proceeds correspondingly into the set of constituent ingredients, Upadan, as such as the eye consciousness. If you just to remind you of some of the things we discussed, the whole idea of false ego and how it's influenced by by this accumulative accumulated, unmanifest uh, karma. So, and karma playing out in different, in these things. Pushed by Kala, time, the pushing of time makes the whole thing, brings it all into action. And then from our point, we have karma. We acted one way or another. We act. We have the ability to act one way or another. Karma. I think in this aspect we wouldn't look at karma as actually the effect. Because the effect is the daiva. What is, what is our destiny? We've made our destiny by our actions. So they're both parts of the, the instrumental aspect of maya. The fact that we can act is karma. The fact that we did act and we got to We've created some something that's going to react with us now, daiva, and then swabhav. And I'll read the definition of those aspects as presented there. The instrumental, nimitta, and constituent upadan com- components of maya are being specified in the verse. Time is that which unsettles the equi- equilibrium. Time gets the whole thing in motion. Uh, karma refers to the meritorious or unmeritorious deeds, and daiva is the outcome of those actions. Swabhav, or innate disposition, is the unmanifested state of daiva. In other words, we, we have an overall nature, swabhava, that is is it's not yet manifest the diva what's in our stars is already there but it also our past actions what it made us kind of made us who we are in relationship to the environment so we basically call that what well in vedic society proper vedic society you'd fall into the Varnashram system and you'd be naturally inclined 
So that inclination is not truly a reaction, but it's an inclination based on general likes and dislikes that have accumulated in your karmic bank, but it's not yet come to the stage of acting. In other words, it's a, we're, we have a predisposition to act one way or another. When we actually act, that's karma. And then that karma creates future destiny. So that's swabhav is, is, is like that potential, potentiality based upon our overall involvement. But it hasn't yet take, taken shape. So the, that's why here it's referred to as the unmanifested state of daiva. Swabhava, it's, our, it's an overall nature that we have in relationship to the environment. It's not specific. Specific is how we act. Specific is the actual reaction we have to activities. Is it like the overall inclination? Yes. Could you say it's like a, in a way, it's like a personality? You have a certain personality which forms a whole thing. Right. It's a way, right. It's, it's the way you interact, like your MO kind of. Yeah. Generally, if... If you're a drug addict, generally if somebody brings out a needle, you're going to grab it and stick it in your arm. That's karma. When you stick it in your arm and shoot yourself up with drugs, that's you're actually having an action. That action is going to create a reaction. That reaction is, is destiny. You're destined to end up in the, in the, in the uh, emergency room at the hospital because of the action. right? But you, had a, you have a general tendency because of prior influences of mode of ignorance that when somebody brings out drugs, you want to consume them. But that's what I was saying. That, that tendency for, from the prior, the prior is the karma from previous lifetimes, isn't it? It's a tendency. It's not yet become karma. It's impression. It's impression, impression. yes. So we bring it into this birth from past. You bring in yes, you're you're provided with a you are provided with an overall environment that suits your general disposition in dealing with the world. That's what we call it. You haven't. It's an overall. So it's an overall nature that you have. But in each lifetime, it might be. You're going to stamp it one way or another. You're going to reinforce it, right. or you're going to take energy away from it. So if you if you reinforce it, then you'll fall more into the mode that's predominant. Yeah. So if you reinforce it by the mode, if you if you're born in in passion and during your whole life you just reinforce that desire to enjoy, 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 then next life you're going to be naturally inclined to do that even more. Yeah. If you fight it and say no, I'm going to get, I'm going to. I'm gonna. I'm not interested in that anymore. Doesn't driving sports cars and having women and uh, you know the, the the lifestyle of the rich and famous is just not doing it for me. I'm going to go to the university and learn how to play the violin and become a scientist or a philosopher. Or, and then all of a sudden you're changing. So the next life you have a natural inclination. So it's it's a very it's a more subtle manifestation of karma, which has it's setting up an environment based upon. Your overall disposition, swabhav. It's kind of always changing depending 
depending on those moment-to-moment decisions the mind's making in the vacillating state, going from one way or another. Will I go to class today or won't I go to class today? Okay, so I want to be in goodness. I want to be educated. I want to I want to master my field. I want to become a great philosopher, a great poet, or great this, that, or another thing, and it requires education. But I don't feel like going to class today. So then all of a sudden, ignorance is pulling. Uh, I just stay home. It's snowing outside. It's raining. It's the wind's blowing. It's going to be cold, and I don't like that professor anyway. So you know. He teaches well. He teach what he teaches is good, but the way he teaches, I don't know. So you see, minute to minute decisions. Then all of a sudden, the next day, it's like it's still cold and wet. My friend just came over, and he's got a joint. <laughs> Maybe I'll miss again today. I can make it up later in the future. And then all of a sudden, a lifetime of decisions go like that. And then all of a sudden, the person that was striving for goodness and moving in that direction is starting to be turned around and another mode has taken. And then the next life is going to say, okay, that's where you are. Let's start out from there. See how, see what, see what happens this time around. So does that yeah, kind of yeah. explain it? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So now this, this Swabhav, the unmanifest state of Daiva. Together, these four constitute the instrumental Nimita part of Prakriti. Okay, what was just Daiva now has, has ex- Jiva's expanded the definition to say these four. And, and three of them are, are, are primarily formed by the Jivas, right? And then one of them is time, the time factor. Then we go on to the 54th Avicheta. But in that Anacheta, what was introduced was knowledge and ignorance. So therefore, now we have, this is the Nimitta aspect of the material energy in the 54th Anacheta, either knowledge or ignorance, which brings us to our final analysis and the end of this part, an explanation of the instrumental and the phenomenal or the uh, elemental aspects of maya, the enter energy and the matter and energy aspects of maya, closely related, we come to the fact that it's the willfulness, it's the fact that the jiva can have knowledge, as we learned in the last Anacheda, Knowledge and ignorance are the two primary forces. These are all different ways to look at the look at Maya's energetic or instrumental aspect. And now we come to this these three, Jhana, Icha, and Kriya. And that wraps up the fifty fifth Adacheda. Thank you so much for your association.